What's up? We're going we're gonna to dive in this morning into another verse that we're going to study here um, in our deeper series where we're taking one verse and just exploring it, dissecting it, seeing how it applies to us today, and, um, and hopefully gaining a better understanding of it so we can apply it to our lives. And today we're going to look at Psalms 107 verse 1, and it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercies endures forever. All right? Um, what a great verse, Right? It's simple, it's to the point, but what I have realized this week when studying this verse is how deep this verse really goes. And it is so much more than two sentences, right? But in those two sentences packs a wild punch. And, and we're going to explore it, and we're going to kind of go a different avenue in a little bit on this verse. But what we need to understand first is that this verse, Psalms 107.1, is, is based on the gospel. It is based on the good news of Jesus Christ, Right? For the Lord is good, right? And his mercies endure forever. And you know, if you've heard me preach for a while now, you know I'm big on punctuation in the Bible. I'm a punctuation nerd. In this first sentence, we need to appreciate the punctuation because it doesn't end in a question mark. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, right? It doesn't say that. But there are times in our life where we can feel that way, where God's. God, I'm saying it, but I'm not really, I'm starting to question it a little bit. I'm starting to wonder what this goodness looks like that you talk about in your word. Because when I turn on the news and when I, when I look at the world and when I talk to my neighbors and even maybe when I look at my marriage or my family or whatever I'm going through, I don't see goodness. I don't see that God. But when we go back to his word, what we see is not a question mark. We don't even see a sentence this is not even a statement, right? This is an exclamation that says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And that's how we need to read this. And, there are t and the reason that it's matched with, oh, give thanks, because the way that we stoke that fire of, of God's goodness in our lives is not to question things. It's to go back and remember all the things that he has done and to give thanks for those things. And then as we do, we will start not questioning, not start stating, but we will exclaim the goodness of God in our lives. And it won't matter what the news says. It won't matter what the doctor says. It won't matter the state of anything around us. We will know because God's word says so, not because of how we feel that God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. So that is what we, as, as we continue on, and again, I just want to preface all this by saying we are going to go down a little bit of a different road with this verse. But it's all rooted in the fact that God is good no matter how we feel about it. He has said it, right? And so it is true. And so what we do with that is we claim it. I've been, you know, as we've been walking through this last season, this last six or seven weeks, as Don was saying earlier, the challenges, the, the, the bridge of that song, Good, Good Father, keeps coming to my head. You are perfect in all your ways, God. You're perfect in all your ways. And in the times where I become angry or fearful or, or just frustrated or even confused, I just have kept saying that bridge over and over. You are perfect, God. I don't get this, but you are perfect. God, I don't, I don't understand why you did this, but you are perfect. You are perfect. And as we start to claim our faith again and not choose to go down that path of fear, we will remember that he is a good God because he said so, not because we feel it in a certain time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I said that this verse is rooted in the gospel, and, and it is. It is rooted in the gospel. It's rooted in the love of Jesus Christ. And if we can just go to the most basic 
maybe the most fundamental and also the most profound truth of this verse. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercies endure forever. That last part especially, that mercies endure forever, goes to Jesus. It points right to Jesus. And in that most basic, in that most profound truth is this. In Romans chapter 5, God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. And if that is the end of it, if that's, if that's the whole story, if, that is, if every prayer that we ever pray from here on out doesn't get answered the way that we want, we can go back to the cross. We can go back to this verse and say that God is good and his mercies endure forever because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's it. That's all we really need to make this verse true. And that is exactly what we have. That is exactly what we have. The word uh, mercy is defined, forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Right? I've heard it said that grace is the things that God gives us that we don't deserve. And mercy is the things that God doesn't give us that we do deserve. Right? And so the mercies that God gives us, and when you get down to the nitty gritty, is he has saved us from the pit and the clutches of hell itself. And I know that in church, that for some reason, the, 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 the reality in talking about us going to hell has for some reason become taboo and we can squirm in our seats. And I think that is an amazing accomplishment by the enemy to think that for a second, y'all. Sorry I'm talking so fast. We got, I got jacked up this morning in worship. But think about this for a second. The devil who abides in hell has, a, has accomplished the goal of us not talking about where he lives and where he is bringing us to. If it weren't for the love of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on the cross, the punishment that we so deserve is hell eternally. But God in his love, while we were still sinners, rips us off that one-way ticket to hell and says, no, no. I have a place for you in heaven. So yes, his mercies endure forever. They endure forever because we get to experience his mercies forever. In heaven. Because he loves us. So yeah, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He has saved us, y'all. The second that we turn our life over to him and receive him as our savior, he has saved us from hell. We are no longer on that path anymore. And he says, not on my watch. You're going this way now. And it's to eternity with me because I bought you at a high price. I gave up my son for you. I love you so much that I hung him on a cross and that blood that is spilled out from him allows that mercy to be new every single day. It doesn't run dry. It is always pure. It is never tainted. And it is up for whatever we are walking through no matter what. No matter what. I was talking to someone yesterday just asking to pray for today. I just had this expectation for this morning that God was going to do some things. And, and I, I didn't know what, I didn't know how to, how to put it. And I just was like, you know, be praying. And he said, I, I hear the word cleansing for tomorrow. I said, bingo, that's the one. I'm, I'm ripping that off. And that's what today is, y'all. 
Today is a, is a cleansing day for so many of us. Now, I, I, we don't, well, yeah, we could ask for a show of hands if you feel so led. But in this, in, this last se- in this season that we're in, this last few weeks, is there anybody that God has just kind of shook you and said, it's time. It's time to get moving. It's time. There's so, I've, I've been hearing that over and over again, that while battling, whether it's COVID or, or serving those with COVID, God's, God's waking us up. And, 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 he's, and he's doing it to where he has, we have to, you know, give him our attention. And sometimes because we're stubborn and because we're stupid, it takes some drastic measures. But in his faithfulness and his mercy, he uses those things and says, let's go. Let's go. But before we can get there, before we can get there, I believe he wants to wipe the slate clean with us. He wants to cleanse us, y'all. He wants to cleanse us, and this is how it happens. I want to look in a different part of the Bible where we see his, his mercies endure forever, all right? And because it's so important. This is where we're at. I believe this is where we're at as a church. I believe that this is where we're at as a country, what God is calling us to before he can do his work, and it's out of 2 Chronicles. We're going to look in verse 7, but, but to set up the context of this, uh, Solomon is king. Of Israel, and he has just constructed this amazing temple, beautiful temple, right? And in Second Chronicles chapter six, he's dedicated it to the Lord. He's prayed over it to the Lord that that this temple will be a house of the Lord, and all these things, right? And so, in chapter seven, we see God's response to Solomon's prayer, and it says this, starting in verse one of Second Chronicles chapter seven. It says, "When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven." And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Come on with it. So as Solomon is praying over this temple, he builds this altar. He, builds, he, builds, he has these offerings and, and God sends fire down and he lights them up. And, and, and as to say, I bless this. I bless this. I approve of this. All right. And then it goes on to say this in verse 2. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. So this is what comes out of their mouths. This is what is filled in their heart when they see fire come down and the glory of the Lord on this place. They saw it, y'all. They saw the glory. They didn't have to go in and feel it. They weren't even in the temple. How ironic is it, by the way, that Solomon builds this amazing thing and when God's glory fills it, the people can't even go in. He says, that's awesome, but that's for me. And so we get so consumed with building this experience, right? Right? with making this amazing thing. And but what happens is when God's glory fills it, the people fall on the pavement. And so it's not about the lighting. It's not about the sound or what the AC is set on or any of that stuff. Yes, we want excellence in this place. But but if we put that before wanting the glory of the Lord, we're only getting the glory of man. And that's not going to change anybody. And I don't, I don't know, y'all. Maybe I'm being greedy. Maybe I'm being selfish. But this is what I want. Amen. This is what I want for Beach's Chapel. That we say, Lord, this is your house. This is yours. This is your house. 
over and over again. And I believe with all my heart that as we as a church do that, not just me, not just the elders, not just those on stage, but every single one of us dedicate this place to the God, we are going to see the glory of the Lord on this place. And as people drive down Florida Boulevard and as they drive down Fifth Street and as they walk their dog, they're going to look at this place and say, what is going on there? They're not going to have to come in. You notice that these people worship God without hearing an amazing sermon? Thank you, Jesus. They saw the glory of the Lord. And out of their lips and out of their heart said, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That is the cry of people who experience the glory of the Lord. And how do we experience that now today? It's Jesus. It's Jesus in everything that we do. It's understanding what he did for us. And not, not just a one-time salvation. Look, when Paul wrote about putting on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, he talked about the helmet of salvation. We wear that joker. We put it on our head to think about every single day. And we walk in that salvation. It's not about a one-time decision. It's about that one-time decision changing our lives forever and walking in it all the time. Come on. So if that's everything that we're desiring, right? That's what we want. That's great. That's awesome. That's, that's easy to say. How do we get there? It's not enough for us to just say in the moment, yes, I want God's glory to fall on this place. I would imagine and hope that every single church on every street corner would want that, right? But it's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to want it. We have to really want it. And this is how it's done, y'all, right here in verse 12. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Listen to this, verse 13. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, or for today, send a pandemic, or, not, or there is a pandemic, we'll say. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Verse 15. Now my eyes will be open, and my ears attentive to prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Now I will do that. If my people will humble themselves and ask for forgiveness. This morning, this morning, I feel like we are led, we are called to a time of repentance. A real time of repentance. But what we need to understand, y'all, as we go back to the first verse, Psalms 107, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his mercies endure forever. Repentance is not just about coming and airing our dirty laundry to God so that we, we feel bad in that moment, Right? Repentance is beautiful. Repentance is freeing. And in my message to us this morning, as, as we are called to repent, whatever that might be in our own lives, what we're doing this morning is we are cutting off the things that the enemy has tried to keep on us so that as we profess and we believe in signs, in miracles, in wonders, we'll be able to operate in those because the things that were holding us down are no more. This is a freeing time, y'all. And it is time for so many of us to let those things go. 
We have to let them go if we are going to get on to the next thing. We can't bring them with us. The Lord does not want us to bring those things with us. He can't do the things that he wants to do in this place if we are holding on to regrets and shame and guilt. It's a time of repentance. And if you notice here, he says, my people. And I believe there is a responsibility on the church, on those that follow the Lord, to repent on behalf of those that don't know to repent, that don't follow Jesus, that have no idea what they're doing. Instead of us arguing with those people and battling and debating, how about we instead fall on our knees and repent for the sins of those people, for how our country is being led, for the things that are happening overseas. We are called as a nation, we are called as, a, as, as God's children to repent. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. For each one of us individually, but also for what's going on in this world, we got to repent, y'all. Because there are signs, miracles, and wonders coming. But we have to do it with not this reluctancy, like all of a sudden I'm going to be exposed. But with Psalms 107 in our hearts, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Thank you, God, for the ability and the gift to repent to you, to be set free from these things. This junk, this junk that has tortured my soul for too long. The enemy is not going to have his way with us anymore. And I would love to say that all that happens just by saying that we have to let it go. We have to trust God. We have to trust him in those moments with those things that we're ashamed about. Those things that we have hidden in our heart and say, here they are, Lord. I'm putting them out to you. I'm not, I'm not giving you a fraction of me. I'm, I'm emptying this, this space in my heart that has been consumed with these things and I'm giving them all to you so that my heart has more space for you. And he wants to cut those things off, y'all. He wants to cleanse you of those things. Do you hear me? Yes. Matthew 9, starting in verse 16, says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment and the tear is made worse. Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break. The wine is spilled and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. I know, I know that I know that I know that God is so wanting to pour out new wine on the church, on Beach's Chapel, on all of us in here. But it takes new wineskins, because who we are now, we can't hold it. This glory that we're expecting, we can't hold it unless we get rid of what was old. He wants to make us a new creature, a new creation, a new being again and again. His mercies are new every morning. They are forever. They are for in this moment right here, right now. And so when we leave this place, we can say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good because we're new. But a lot of times that verse doesn't resonate in us because we're not really considering why God is good. Because we're not remembering what he's done and what he is continuing to do. And that his mercies are new right now too. Just like they were yesterday and the day before or that moment when you came to him. We need to return to our first love. We need to return to Jesus. We need to return to the foot of the cross. That moment 
when you gave your life to him and said, God, I'm yours. Can we get back to that place and say, God, I'm yours in, in, in all the stuff that I've been carrying, this, this load that I've been carrying that's not mine to carry. I'm giving it to you and here's what it is. I want that new wine skin so you can pour out the new wine. And so we as a church can say, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercies endure forever. We're going to have the band come back up. And we're going to have a time to just get with the Lord, a time of repentance. I'm not shying away from that word. For all of us in here to get on our knees, to come to the altar, to get, to get right before the Lord. And when I say that, what I mean is to be set free. That's what he wants in this. But then we're also going to have a time of celebration as well. Because that's what this is. We see that the, the mercies that endure forever are matched with the exclamation of, oh, give thanks. And I think that's, that's a lot of where our mind goes astray on repentance. Yes, it is a time to be serious, right? It is a time to, to reflect. But then there's joy in it as well. There's joy in repentance. Because when we do so, we are set free. And so we're going to have that as well. And I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't hold back. This is the time to let it all go. Don't give a fraction because God wants to cleanse you of those things. He wants to wipe the slate clean of everything in our lives so that, so that we can be a new church and he can pour out his glory on this place with signs and with miracles and with wonders. I want to look back in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and just, I encourage you to read 2 Chronicles 6, the, the prayer that Solomon has over the church. We, we're just going to look at the last three verses of it, but this is what he says. Starting in verse 36. It says, when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to the land far and near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they have been carried captive and pray toward uh, their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and toward the temple which I have built for your name. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you. When we come to our senses, right? Oh, right. We haven't been doing this the right way. We've missed the mark. We've been going this way when God's been calling us to go this way. We've been doing that when God's been calling us to do this. Or whatever it might be, when we come to our senses, God hears us and he forgives us. And then he blesses the house. And watch out for a move of God like we've never seen before. I don't want to experience what was. I want new wine. New wine. I want us to get to a place where the only thing that can come out of our lips is, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercies endure forever. We just praise Him. So as we worship, come up if you need to. Right where you're at if you need to. If you can't come up here, whatever. Those watching online, just get on your knees in your living room. And let's be set free. Let's start this whole thing off repenting and moving forward. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you, Jesus that you are a forgiving God.
that you hold no records of wrong. And Lord, we just ask your forgiveness, God, on, on so many things, where we've missed the mark as a church, the infighting that the church has done, Lord, how we've tried to take up your cause when it wasn't ours to do. God, when we've made it about ourselves and not of you, Lord, God, of so many things, God, we ask that you would forgive us. God, we are sorry, Lord. We are sorry, Father. Return us back to you, Lord Jesus. Return us back to you, Lord God. And Father, on behalf of our nation, Lord, on behalf of our country, Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for the errors that we've made, the decisions that we've made that are not of you. God, have mercy on us, Lord. Have mercy on us, Father. And forgive us and heal our land in Jesus' name. Heal our land, Father. God, for the atrocities that are happening in Afghanistan, Lord, and around this world of those that are being put to death, God, we, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be in the midst of it, God, whatever that looks like. Lord, I don't have the words. I, I simply don't. But you know what needs to be done. We pray for our Christian brothers and sisters over there. God, we pray your protection over them. God, we pray that you would surround them with your angels, Jesus. And God, for those that have already been taken, Lord, God, we thank you that they're celebrating in heaven right now. That you are good in all of this, Father. That you are good in all of this, Jesus. Be God for those that need it, Lord. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Don't turn your eye from us, Lord God. Lord, as we stand in this place this morning, God, Beaches Chapel, we declare is yours. This is your house, Father. You do your work in this place. You have full reign. Lord, we are your people. God, for those that serve here, we are your servants. We take no ownership of this place. It is yours fully and completely. And God, if we ever have in the past, Lord, we release it right now to you. And God, we ask, Lord, for your glory to fill this place so that no word has to be spoken, no song has to be sung, but the testimony of all those that come in and all those that leave would say there was something about that place that I just have never experienced in my life, Lord God, and it would be your glory in this place. It would be your glory in this place, God. Let people see it as they drive down the road, Lord. Let people see it as they walk down the road, God. Let it come out of our own lips and our own mouths, God. Let us be bold to declare it to those around us that your glory is in this place, oh God. It is yours, Jesus. And if we've missed the mark in any way, Father, we are sorry. We are sorry, Lord. And Father, for those this morning that you're doing something in them. You're, there's, a, there's, a, there's a churning in their heart, Father. There's an, a, a righteous unrest in them, God. There's something stirring in them, Father, that's different than it's ever been. God, I pray, Jesus, right now that they would be free this morning to accept the forgiveness that you so readily give. God, I pray, Lord, that in it, you're, you're trying to cut off things, Lord. You're trying to sever old things, God. The old strangleholds and old chains, Father, that the enemy had entrance into their lives. And you're saying, no more if you would just come forward. If you would just give it to me. God, let us trust in you. 
to give you those things so those chains are no more. So those curses, those generational curses are no more, Jesus. God, I'm talking about big things, Lord. Make us new this morning. Cleanse every one of us, God. Set us free this morning. Set us free, Father, so that we can declare from from the tips of our toes, out of our mouths, Lord God, that you are good, that you are good, that you are good, and your mercies endure forever. God, you are not a God of shame. You are not not a God of guilt. You are not a God who points your finger at us and says, I told you so. You are a God who loves, who sent your son to die for us, and you ripped us out of the clutches of hell and said, come be with me for eternity while we were still sinners. God, free us of that burden of thinking we have to do it ourselves. Thank you, Jesus.